0: Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace. Strengthening the saints against Islam's assault on North America. Folks, today I want to share with you a message that I preached last night. I am in North Carolina. I'm going to be here for the duration of this virus. Uh, my traveling has been uh, has kind of caught me out here. We started a revival here. A drive-in revival. Here in North Carolina, the governor has uh, permitted people to leave their homes for essential things and places of worship. I'm thankful that the governor in North Carolina understands that worship is an essential piece of business. Uh, it's, It's part of our life. We need it, and without it, we're in big, big trouble. But we're not allowed to meet in groups larger than 10. But if you stay in your car and come in with less than 10 people and park six feet apart, we're allowed to do church this way. And so we have set up a stage in a parking lot. We have um, we've had probably as many 80 different cars uh, come to this over the last few days. And we're going to continue doing this as long as the lockdown is going on. So we're doing this nightly. You can listen. To these meetings online, on my Facebook page, we do Facebook Live. So if you haven't found my page yet and become a friend, uh, do so. My name's Tom Wallace on Facebook, and you'll find me there, and you'll see our little thing about Fortress of Faith as well. Last night I preached the virtue of being contrite. I- I've been here for ten years, back in the country where I was born. I've come off the foreign mission field to call my nation back to repentance, to preach revival, to warn people of judgment that's coming. Now, God has in his bag many different calamities that he can bring upon mankind to bring us back to him. Pain. Is an element that God uses, and it comes in different forms. Sometimes it's an enemy. Sometimes it's financial ruin. Sometimes it's pestilence and disease. And and now we're facing this disease. I mean, it's wiped. It's it's, it's doing a terrible job on our economy. So many different things that uh, folks. If uh, we we've been a sinful nation, a wicked nation. We should have seen this coming. Now, you say, well, this isn't just happening to America. It's happening all over the world. Well, let's face it. This world, this globe does not fear God anymore. We're culpable of receiving His wrath for our sins all around the world. But here in America and Western society like Canada and Europe and all of us here in the West we've known we've known better we've had the truth we've had the gospel and we have shook our face our fist in the face of god and said no we don't want it anymore and god said okay let's see who's boss here and i fear that uh, this is an uh, is an instrument of judgment upon us and we better take heed so what's the solution when a nation messes up when people mess up in, in error and make wrong choices, how do we get back? Well, God has given us the recipe for revival. The recipe, the, the roadmap to return, is found in in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and heal their land. That is the roadmap to revival. And there's a virtue that you and I, there's a there's an action, there's something that you and I need to begin to realize if we're going to see God's revival, we need to be people of contrition. We need to be contrite. Why? Let me read some Bible verses to you. Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is nigh unto them that, uh, that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. If you have a heart of contrition, you're a candidate for God to save you and bless you and preserve you. Psalms 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. I mean, this is when a person lays open and broken before God and said, God, I'm a sinner. I've I've been playing this game of Christianity and I've been... Uh, fooling others and even myself uh, that I'm a a righteous person, a good person, and God, you know my heart. I'm bearing it to you. I'm broken now. I'm contrite before you. That appeals to the heart of God. So what does it mean to be contrite? Contrite defined means the state of feeling remorseful or penitent. What does remorse mean? Well, it's a deep regret or guilt for something wrong committed what does it mean to be penitent? A penitent person is sorrowful and regrets uh, for having done wrong. And so this is the this is what contrition is: is that a person is sorrowful, they have deep regret of their guilt, of their wrong deeds and actions. Now know this and know this well. The Bible makes it very clear: James chapter four, verse six that God resist pride. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. You cannot be a contrite person and proud at the same time. Contrition and humility go hand in hand. But pride doesn't mix. It's oil and water. It's chalk and cheese. These things are incompatible. Now, the text that I preach from, and it's a great passage in in Isaiah chapter 57, let me give you some context. Isaiah is not only a prophet, he's also a priest. He lived during the reigns, uh, four uh, four, four kings in Judah, Uzziah, Jotham, uh, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He's also a contemporary prophet with Amos and Hosea and Micah. He experienced. He saw the northern kingdom of Israel being taken captive by the Assyrians. They didn't listen to the preachers, to the prophets who warned them and told them to repent, and they didn't listen, and they were taken captive. And so now he remains in Judah, and he's seeing sin and wickedness in his own nation, and he's compelling them to repent or else the same will befall them. But in chapter fifty-seven, in his book of uh, uh, prophecy, in verse number one, uh, he sees that the people there they could care less that the preachers of righteousness are gone. They don't care. Chapter uh, verse two, they're content to walk in their own self uprightness. They got the you know uh, the feeling of of righteousness themselves. Every man does that which is right in their own eyes. When God's rule and order is out of the way, then man makes up their own rules and order, and they're happy and content to live that way. Verse number three, God says, you better listen up. I have something to tell you, you children of sorcerers. Uh, Verses four through six, uh, God calls them mockers and braggers and killers of children. This is not similar to what's going on in our world today. He tells them, though, that your future you're you're gonna have you're gonna be in a grave under stones. Verses seven through ten. Uh, he uh, accuses them of offering sacrifices, but on their own terms. Remember, that's what Cain did. He said, "You know, okay, if I'm going to build an altar, if I'm going to make a sacrifice to God, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it uh, the, the way that mom and dad did it, the way God showed them. I'm not going to do it the way that my brother's doing it by bringing a lamb. I'm going to." I'm going to sacrifice to God my way. I'm here to tell you that never works with God. And uh, verse 11 through 14, God uh, tells him that your evil friends are going to abandon you in the time of your need. Remember the prodigal son? When he had everything, when he had all the money, he had all the friends, didn't he? But as soon as all the money ran out, his friends ran out and he was in want. God says, this is what's going to happen to you. But we get down to verse 15, which is my text. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Now, let me stop there for a moment. We need to have a proper vision of who God is. And when we do, we're going to have a proper vision of who we are. God, high and lifted up, he's the high one, the lofty one. He's eternal, he is holy. But he says here, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. The virtue of being contrite puts you in position if you're a contrite person, in other words, you're not full of your self-righteousness and goodness and 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 thinking you're something that God will save you because you're a good person. The contrite, humble person has access to heaven because he's on the pathway to being saved because he realizes he can't save himself. God says, I dwell with him. He dwells with me in the high place. But also the contrite and humble person is the person that God uses to bring revival. These are the ones who have access to Revival. And I want to leave two big thoughts with you. And please uh, consider these things and dwell on these things and, and meditate on it, because I believe there's so much truth in this. The more holy you see God, the more wretched you will see yourself. When we allow ourselves to see the true holiness and righteousness of God high and lifted up, and we allow the spotlight and the glory of God to be shown on us, what will it reveal? I'm afraid it will reveal what we don't like to see, the truth about ourselves. It will show that we are wretched. We're poor and blind and miserable and, and naked. And we, like, like it said in Revelation chapter 3, to anoint our eyes with eyesolve that we may see our wretchedness. When we allow ourselves to see God as holy and righteous as he is, the more holy you see God, the more wretched you will see yourself. This is an important part of towards the uh, revival coming. Then let me give you a number two. The second big point I want you to take is the more wretched I admit that I am, the more contrite and remorseful of my guilt will I pour out to God I have spoken many times of the great revival on Lewis Island of Duncan Campbell I've read it's it's kind of funny 2 months ago uh, God put this on my heart I started studying and reading everything again about Duncan Campbell his autobiography biographies written about him uh, the book he wrote the Lewis awakening listening to the transcript uh, reading and listening to the, to his own personal testimony what happened on lewis island in 1949 one of the greatest revivals of, of modern time and he said if he could boil it down into two different things saying what was it that stood out the most about that revival he said it was the the of the presence of god his holiness and the second thing that was stood out was the wretchedness of their sin. In the midst of, the, I mean, when you look back on all the events of the revival, a three-year-long revival, the two things that stood paramount about all of it was the holiness and the greatness of God and the wretchedness of their own sin. This, my friend, is when you see God holy. The more you see him holy, the more wretched you'll see yourself. That is the virtue of a man being contrite. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.